This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparosa. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, we're going to do a late July mailbag edition going to go through some of the questions that you guys sent through on Twitter, cover a wide range of topics, appreciate all the ongoing engagement. We are just about through the quietest part of the NFL calendar, operating under the assumption that training camp slash preseason will happen roughly on time. It's not going to happen exactly on time, but at this point, it does still look like in late August, we'll get some version of training camp and preseason. And some version of a regular season starting in September, whether it's early September or late September. Before we jump into your questions, a reminder, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Also, if you have not yet, check out our subscription podcast, Badlands, available at turnthejets.podbean.com. $9.99, one-time payment, covers you for the entire year. Connor Rogers and I are cranking out about an episode a week right now on top of the original 10-part audio docu-series that we released on the last 10 years of New York Jets history. Had a fun episode with Warren Sharp last week, guru of NFL analytics going through his season preview. Definitely worth your time, so give that a listen. That's at turnonthejets.podbean.com. All right, let's jump into your questions. First one from Michael Parsons. Seeing Allen Robinson tweets recently that you pointed out, do you think he could be a trade option? If he said he's going to be a free agent next season, don't you think the Bears would want to get something for him? It's not a crazy thought. Some of this could just be posturing from Allen and trying to get a new deal. Some of it could be posturing because he's tired of playing with Mitch Trubitsky and potentially Nick Foles. But Robinson has been one of these guys who is just perennially underrated. One of the best receivers in the NFL always has an ability to elevate poor quarterback play around him, and he has been surrounded by some bad quarterback play going all the way back to Penn State, where he is the single reason that Christian Hackenberg was a second-round draft pick. So thank you very much for that, Alan. Uh, Beyond that, got stuck playing with Blake Bortles for a few years in Jacksonville, and now has been with Trubisky for a few years in Chicago. I would love to see the Jets be really proactive in going to get a guy like him. This is a guy that they should have went after in free agency a couple of years, but Mike McCagnan chose not to. I don't know if the Bears are going to put him on the trade market. I don't think it would be uh, a logical suitor uh, for Jamal Adams. I know that's came up just because they've already invested in Eddie Jackson at safety, so I don't see that working. But could the Jets flip maybe a mid-round draft pick? Is there another player? I don't know. It's tough to say what draft picks are going to be valued at right now if there's not going to be a college football season or it's going to get moved to the spring. But if it's not a player they go after via trade, he should be at the top of their list in free agency. He's exactly the type of number one lead receiver, as much as I don't like utilizing that term, uh, because it doesn't necessarily always fit or always matter, but you just want more talent at wide receiver. And Robinson is one of the few guys in the NFL who does fit that mold of a quote-unquote number one receiver. And that would make life so much easier on Sam Darnold where you're not keeping your fingers crossed uh, for Brashad Perryman to keep doing what he did the last few games of last year or Denzel Mims to have a ridiculously fast learning curve uh, as a rookie. So hopefully 
Robinson is the kind of player that the Jets are sniffing around next offseason, or if he is actually on the trade market, that's absolutely the kind of player they should be looking to go after. Next question from our friend Fuego Jets takes. When evaluating Adam Gase in 2020, what are the most important quantitative and qualitative factors you look for? Which should be prioritized most highly? I mean, a combination of both should definitely be involved in how you evaluate the head coach who is really a prominent key face of your organization. So quantitative is going to be the most important in my mind. Does this offense improve? Do they do things that make sense to the skill set of their players? You cannot be an offensive head coach and have a bottom seven offense every single year. Gase has had that the last three years. If you have that the fourth year in a row, I don't know how you justify keeping him around. And for the Jets to be competitive, they're going to need to move from being 31st in offensive DVOA, probably somewhere around the 14 to 17 range. And that's a pretty big jump. Uh, They're going to need to make that kind of jump, or I don't see how they win more than seven games. Uh, like they did last year, especially with a likely more difficult schedule. So you want to see offensive DVOA improve. You want to see Sam Darnold not make just a small leap, but a really big leap in terms of yards per attempt, uh, in terms of touchdowns, uh, in terms of attacking down the field, uh, in terms of avoiding sacks and turnovers when possible, although turnovers are always going to be part of his game to an extent. You don't want him to get too conservative. But you want to see a real tangible leap from him to go with the Jets' overall DVOA improving on offense. And the two should probably go hand-in-hand. Qualitatively, you know, no rumblings or scraps uh, with different players on the team. There was a handful of injury situations last year. We know there's been rumors about him and Le'Veon Bell. Whether that's true or not, just a quiet season with limited chatter uh, would be nice. Gase is a guy who has historically had some abrasive relationships uh, in the locker room that came with his reputation in Miami. We didn't see anything really change last year. It's generally hard to believe that in his fifth year as a head coach, he's going to be all that much different than he was in his first four years. He's been in the same division. Uh, It's hard to just change on a dime without taking a year off. But he was brought here to run and improve the offense. And the Jets' offense was awful last year. His offense was Awful his last two years in Miami and mediocre his first year in Miami where they really didn't get to the playoffs in the back of their offense. Uh, It was more of a balanced team and on on their defense, I would say, and some of the stuff with their schedule that year. Uh, But you got to make a big jump, you know, up 12, 13, 14 spots in DVOA. Sam Darnold has uh, a really big year and you maximize the most out of certain players who have career years playing for you. You get a really good rookie year out of a guy like Denzel Mims and you show creativity and how you're using. All that has to fit together to say, you know what, there's no reason to interrupt Sam Darnold's development with Gase because he actually is the right guy. And elevating him, you have a situation where the Jets are you know, 24th or 25th in offensive DVOA. Darnold's pretty good but doesn't make a massive leap. You got to move on, especially if the Jets are not going to have a winning record. Let's let's say again they go seven to nine. At a certain point, a head coach has four straight years of a losing record and not making the playoffs. He is what he is, and you have to move on. So we'll see how it plays out. Next question from Sports Find Three: What type of stats would you need to see from Quinnen for 2020 to see him as being on the right track as an interior defensive lineman? Force. It's a tough question because of the position he plays, and we joke about Leonard Williams a lot and this is definitely exaggerated to an extent in his case but there are certain things that Quinnen can do that won't show up on the stat sheet 
That being said, he was a third overall pick, and you want him to do more things that show up on the stat sheet. So he should be healthier this year. He should be stronger. He should be more adapted to the NFL game. The Jets did not draft him to be great against the run. They did not draft him to keep blockers off their inside linebackers. They drafted him third overall, and everyone said he was the best player in that draft class to be a wrecking ball in the middle of their defense. Nobody's Aaron Donald, but can he be an approximation of that? Can he be like Fletcher Cox? Can he be that kind of player, Chris Jones, who really is a game changer from the interior pass rush position? This is a guy who needs to regularly be in the lap of the quarterback, six, seven sacks, involved in forcing turnovers, and it could be a full-time player, not a rotational player. You hope he can stay healthy, and you want him to take that kind of jump where maybe he's not an all-pro in year two, but he's in the discussion as one of the better or one of the best young offense, best young defensive linemen in the NFL because he was a third overall pick. This wasn't a guy who was a second-round pick. This wasn't in the back half of the first round. This was a guy a lot of very smart people said was the best overall player in this class. Now, I know what I saw last year, and Nick Bosa was the best player in that class, and even Josh Allen from Jacksonville was better than what we saw from Quinnen last year. Still a young player, still going to develop, should get more opportunities from the start this year with Leonard Williams not here, but doing what he did last year is not adequate for the third overall pick. You want to see that leap? You want this guy to be a Fletcher Cox type player. That's what you drafted him for, so you're going to need to just see more production to go with all the hidden production that goes for an interior defensive lineman. Next question from Michael Christopher at Big Dogs 1318. Would you be opposed if Gates gets let go this year going after Marvin Lewis? He built the Bengals into a winner year in and year out without spending on free agents and developed players. If not, would Josh McDaniels be at the top of your list if the Pats win the division again? Marvin Lewis would be a tough sell, and he, you know, he gets knocked for all of the first round exits and for how things ultimately kind of petered out in Cincinnati. I have a hard time seeing it happen. Uh, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be someone who gets an interview or someone who couldn't be involved potentially with the organization. I just, it's going to be hard to go higher another quote-unquote retreat after what happened with Gase, assuming that he gets fired, uh, and hiring a guy in Lewis who's never won a playoff game as a head coach. Uh, fair or unfair, I just have a hard time seeing him be someone that the Jets seriously consider. McDaniels, kind of the same deal. I don't I don't see McDaniels ever coming here, to be honest. I, I just don't see it. I don't know if he's ever going to really be a head coach. He might just keep riding it out in New England until Belichick retires. I'm sure there's some wariness around the league after what happened with the Colts. Uh, those are two guys who I would be really surprised if they ended up being serious contenders for the Jets' head coaching job next year. Uh, next question by Danny Baggs. Joe Douglas has preached, as we all know by now, that he wants to have the best culture in all of sports. How does it look when you keep a player like Jamal on the team who consistently says he wants out and doesn't want to be part of a rebuilding team? It's a fair question. There's a little more nuance to it than that. I think Douglas, every GM and every head coach preaches all this stuff about culture. A lot of times it ends up being hollow words because the best way to have a good culture is to win football games with talented football players. I think Douglas is being careful that he does not want to set a precedent that players can bully their way out of New York with multiple years left on his contract. He is not in the final year of his deal. The Jets control his rights for three more years, and the Jets cannot, or Douglas cannot be forced into a situation where he either A, 
gives atoms away for pennies on the dollar because that could be disastrous if not handled right. Handled right, it could be a huge opportunity to improve their offense and a way to really put a stamp on the team. But handled wrong and not getting enough value back could really be a disaster and get him off to a really tough start uh, with this fan base and with this organization. And on the other end, he can pay $20, $21 million a year to a safety. And I understand Adams isn't a traditional safety. I understand he blitzes and rushes the passer. I understand he moves around. I don't care. You can't pay him $20, $21 million a year, especially with the Jets' current cap structure and how much more important offense than defense is in today's NFL and how limited your help around Sam Donald is right now. So right now, I think Douglas is doing his due diligence, fielding offers, being patient, We'll see how it plays out if this reaches a boiling point where the Jets move on this at training camp or at the training deadline or after the draft next year. I don't think Adams is going to sign a long-term deal here. I flat out think that he does not want to play here long-term. He wants to play somewhere, he wants to play somewhere else. He will sign for less money to play with the Cowboys, the Texans, the Eagles, and all the other teams that he gave to Adam Schefter to tweet out than he will for the Jets, who he will make pay a tax uh, to keep him. And Joe Douglas might not want to pay that tax because he's got a lot of work to do on the rest of his roster Roster and might not want to set the precedent of doing that. So I think for now, you got to give Douglas the benefit of the doubt until we see how it plays out. But these next few months are going to be interesting because it's a very touch-and-go situation. Next question from Ryan Lynch. With the redevelopment of Willits Point, a major focus for bidders for the Mets, why don't the Jets look into selling the debt on MetLife to the Giants and build a real stadium for Jet fans back where it all began? It sounds good on paper. I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, there's been rumblings of the Jets being a big cash trap right now. Woody Johnson is still technically the ambassador. We'll see how that sh- situation shakes out after the election. You have an interim owner with Christopher Johnson. The team has struggled recently uh, on the field and generally with attendance. It's hard to see them with this current ownership group making a massive investment into building the team, their own stadium uh, out in whether it's out in Queens or Long Island or whether it's, you know, rejuvenating that the West Side Hudson Yards project, which was probably their last real chance to have their own stadium. Uh, I think they're going to be at MetLife for the next 5, 10, 15 years or so, I'd be really surprised unless they change the ownership groups, especially with how I think attendance is just going to be down. Uh, obviously, attendance might not be a thing this year, and I think there's going to be a long tail effect of people being hesitant going into big crowds. So it's just a bad time, I think, to be investing in and building a new stadium. I could be wrong. I'd love to see the Jets have their own stadium. I'd love to see them have a better home field advantage. But that stuff's going to come from winning more, and I'm more interested in seeing them winning. I'm someone at this stage who, you know, I go to one or two games a year tops. Uh, maybe that changes when the team gets better, my kid gets a little older. But honestly, I, I don't see the Jets making a big move for their own stadium anytime soon. Next question from – scrolling back here. want to make sure we get a, a good mix in. Question from Jacob Israel. What would give you more satisfaction, a healthy season from Herndon or 1,400 yards from scrimmage by Lev? I mean, how about both would be nice. If the Jets are going to have a competent offense this year and be competitive, they're going to need both. If Herndon's healthy and the player he was at the end of the 2018 season, uh, that's a game changer for the Jets offense. That's a guy who could go out and outside of Crowder regularly lead the team in targets. He could go out, give you 650, 700 yards, 
five, six touchdowns if he's utilized right. Um, with Bell, you know, 1,400 total yards is not a crazy, you know, a crazy total. I'm trying to look up exactly what he finished with last year. Uh, I think it's going to depend what the division of those yards are and how active is he in the passing game? Is he making more big plays? I mean, you look at what he did last year, you know, he finished with 790 rushing yards, 460 uh, receiving yards. So he was right at 1,400 total yards last year, a little less, you know, little around like a little over 1,200 or so. So that would be a slight boost, maybe 100 more rushing, 100 yard more receiving. I'd love to see Bell, you know, get to being a thousand yard rusher here uh, with a higher yards per carry. I'd like to see him make more big plays in the passing game. Uh, and the Jets are going to need both. We, you know, we said it a lot. The best way to mitigate the lack of depth at receiver. Uh, is to have Herndon and Bell be big pieces in the passing game. And the Jets need Chris Herndon healthy. I know everyone liked what they saw from Ryan Griffin last year, but you know that's a guy who's generally more of a journeyman and as good as a backup and depth player. Herndon is really the guy who could be a dynamic game changer for this Jets offense. And Bell similarly can be too. If he is used right, if he's healthy and the Jets offensive line gets a little better, those are the guys that can be X factors and can make Sam Darnold's life easier, which the Jets you know, really, really desperately need. Question from Michael Megan, our guy from TOJ. The most important games for Gaze to change the narrative is the last four games on the road in Seattle, in LA, home for the Browns at New England. If the Jets are 500 going into that stretch and limp to one and three or 0 and four, how can anyone say he doesn't need to be fired? I don't know. You know, I wonder if I look back at this past year Let's say the Jets don't get the Bills backups in Week 17 and they lose a close game. And let's say that they don't do the Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph shuffle in the Pittsburgh game and they lose a close game there. Or swap that out, they don't get the pass interference call for Vincent Smith and the Jets go 5-11 and instead of 7-9. and Do the Jets keep Gase? I think they ultimately do. I mean, Christopher Johnson made that proclamation for whatever reason in the middle of the year. Uh, I think if they go six and ten or seven and nine again this year, I don't know. I, I originally was kind of of the thinking that he's kind of coming back no matter what, unless the bottom really falls out. Uh, I'm a little moving a little more to the point where if they go seven and nine or six and ten, I could see them making a coaching change just with how they handled this off season and some of the other chatter around the team. Uh, if they finish 0-4 or 1-3, and that's an easier runway to make that kind of transition, and he has struggled substantially on the road, as we know. I think it's 5-19 and in his past 24 road games, uh, and that's a tough stretch there. Without fans, with fans, whatever, it's hard to travel uh, across the country like that. It's going to be hard to go up to New England when uh, it's freezing in December or January or whenever the game ends up happening, and uh, right or not, finishes get weighted more heavily so if you think back to 2013 the Jets finished strong with Rex Ryan to go eight and eight that's probably part of why they kept him not really smart per se because all the games count the same amount and they keep him for 2014 and it doesn't work out you look at this past year the Jets you know go six and two in their final eight now when you look at the context of that six and two it's a little less impressive but if it was flipped where they went six and two in the first half of the year and one and seven in the back half of the year do they keep Gase? I don't know. You know, if you finish 1-3 and three or 0-4, uh, it could really grease the skids on getting him out of here. Uh, but we have to see how it plays out. It really depends on the context of those losses. Who's playing? Are they competitive games or not? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I would say if the Jets do what they're expected to do this year, which is go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9, and nine, 
I'd say it's a coin flip whether Gase is back the year after or will really depend on the offense and Darnold's development overall. Final question from RB. What are your top choices for head coach candidates for the Jets in 2021 if Gase wears out his welcome? Uh, look, I think the popular names uh, of Biennemi uh, and Saleh from uh, the Niners are going to be uh, at the top of the list. It's hard to say how college football or college coaches play into this if there's not a season or the season's not a spring. Could Greg Williams get considered for the job? I don't really see that happening. I don't think so. Uh, would they look towards a guy like Brian Dabble, uh, who's also been popular, uh, associated with uh, you know he- potential head coach role? Maybe. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see. It's hard to say. you got to see what teams... Um, you know, overachieve this year? And what do their coaching staffs look like? Uh, you know, everyone, you know, off this past year, you know, would you, if the Ravens have another really good year? Who from their coaching staff could get picked off? If the Eagles have a good year, does Douglas and anyone else in the front office have connections where they could go hire uh, somebody that they've worked with previously or cross paths with? Paths with I think, but again, you know, I think Enemy is going to be a popular name. Is he going to be a head coach, great head coach? I don't know. But I think being around Andy Reid for that long and being around that offensive system uh, is definitely going to be intriguing to a lot of teams, and we'll we'll see how that plays out. The weird thing, again, is what happens with some of these candidates from the college level if the season doesn't happen or the season just happens in the spring? Does that make the pool a little more shallow for teams who are looking for a new head coach? I would think that the Jets are going to, Right or wrong, and I'm not saying I'm advocating this approach, they will look to someone with an offensive background again uh, because of Sam Darnold, uh, pending he's still going to be the guy next year, which I think he will be. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting thing to watch play out. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody, for your questions. Um, anticipating some of the news to pick up here in terms of what the preseason is actually going to look like. You asked me today, I think – you're getting a shortened training camp that starts late. You're getting one or two preseason games, tops. Uh, and you'll probably get a 16-game season with no fans in the stands for any of the games. Maybe the season starts a few weeks later. I think there'll be a much more expanded roster in case people get sick and cannot play or opt out of playing, which I think you'll see a decent amount of. It's going to be a weird and bizarre season. And I, I wrote an article about it today on the site for Turn on the Jets and the Jets are dealing with the same thing that every team is dealing with uh, when it comes to this situation. When you zero in on their specific situation, uh, they do have the benefit of returning their coaching staff, their starting quarterbacks, so they don't have to learn a new system. But they're likely going to be acclimating four new starters on their offensive line, two new starters at receiver in Perryman and Mims, one of whom is a rookie. They're expecting their rookie uh, first-round pick, Makai Becton, to start at left tackle, which is an immensely critical position. Uh, there's going to be some challenges there, and it's a lot is going to go on coaching this year, and I think that's going to be a big differentiating factor. How do you prepare in these less-than-optimal situations with less preparation time and maybe a more fluid roster than you're used to seeing? So it's going to be a very big challenge for the entire Jets coaching staff. Uh, you look at how they start out. They start out against two playoff teams from last year, one on the road in Buffalo and then home for the Niners, who won the NFC. Teams who are also returning their full coaching staffs and had you know, active off-seasons where they arguably, arguably got better on paper. Now, after that, the Jets get four straight games against teams who didn't make the playoffs last year. All teams who are bringing back their coaching staffs, but two of whom will have new starting quarterbacks, with the Chargers having Tyrod Taylor and the Colts having Phillip Rivers. So, 
it's not the easiest start in the world, but it's also not an insane gauntlet like their schedule was at times in recent years. So you have to find a way to, can you go three and three in those first six? Can you go four and two to give yourselves a little bit of a cushion? Because like we referred to in that one question, their final stretch is challenging when you have to go deal with playing Seattle and playing the Rams on the opposite side of the country, uh, a Cleveland team that should be better with a better coaching staff. And then New England is always going to be a challenge, especially now with Cam Newton. So uh, hopefully the Jets can avoid getting off to a slow start because they're going to be acclimating a lot of new pieces. So we'll see how everything plays out. We'll continue to be active on this feed here. We'll continue to be active on turnonthejets.com and on Badlands at turnonthejets.podbean.com. Make sure to check that out again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for your questions, and we'll be back next week.